0: Welcome to Shelter in Place, a podcast about finding daily sanity in a world that feels increasingly insane. Coming to you from Oakland, California, I'm Laura Joyce Davis. Yesterday marked one month of sheltering in place. Last night, as my husband, Nate, and I sat around folding laundry after the kids were in bed, we talked about how our life has changed, and also how it's confirmed what we already knew. There are the obvious ones, like homeschooling our kids, which, even though Nate's mom did a bang-up job of homeschooling him, we never wanted to do ourselves. That's going pretty much exactly like we thought it would. There's having to completely rethink our finances and our future plans, which we're feeling strangely detached from. In ways that we can't yet explain. There's not having as much time to parent together because we're taking opposite shifts with the kids so we can work. And there's also relief at not having activities to attend, distances to drive, places to arrive on time. A couple of weeks ago, my old grad school teacher, Victor Laval, posted something on Twitter that I've been thinking about ever since. Victor is a wildly accomplished writer. And he's on my short list of teachers who've shaped me significantly. If you're looking for something to read right now, I highly recommend his books, which are weird and wonderful and totally right for the times we're living in. A couple of years ago, Nate and I listened to The Changeling on Audible, and it's still one of our favorites. Victor lives in New York, where COVID-19 has arrived in this country most intensely, over 7,900 deaths as of this morning. I contacted him last night to ask his permission to share his words with you and to see how he and his family were doing. The words of his I wanted to quote are these. The quarantine seems a lot like fame. It doesn't change who you are. It amplifies who you always were. Though I'm not famous, Victor's words immediately struck me as true. A couple of weeks ago, after an episode took me longer than usual, Nate commented to me that this project is a great outlet for my workaholism. The comment annoyed me, but I couldn't deny the truth of it. I've mentioned before that this project is one I never would have taken on before COVID 19. I was never one of those people who had a surplus of ideas. And even if I'd wanted to do something daily, it wasn't possible. In my pre COVID 19 life, I had three days a week to write. In those three days, I was chipping away at a novel, short stories, an essay, another podcast that included interviews all over the country, and doing freelance work. I know, it's ridiculous. I knew it then too. I would try focusing on a single project for a while, but every time I got a little momentum, the demands of parenting would crowd in. One of the kids would be home sick. I'd need to bring cupcakes to school for a birthday celebration. There were parent-teacher conferences. Not surprisingly, I rarely finished anything. And then a month ago, I got the crazy idea for this podcast. To be fair, it's a project that probably wouldn't be possible if Nate's work hadn't been pared back so severely. Like most people right now, we're figuring that out, calculating how long we can survive. If I'd known that this was going to go on longer than three weeks, I doubt I would have taken it on. But I'm glad I did. Because after eight years of longing to not just create but complete, now I get to do it every day. Some days are better than others, of course, but the work continues to sustain me in ways that I didn't anticipate. I think after decades of feeling like my work was going nowhere, like no one really knew me because many of my family and friends had never even read my work, it feels good to finally be putting something out there. I have no regrets about having my kids. For all my frustrations with them, I adore them. But COVID-19 has shown me what I knew deep down all along. Parenting alone does not feed my soul. I've asked Nate more than once if he wants me to pull the plug on this project. I don't wanna give in to the pull of workaholism and at the end of the day, my family comes first. But every time he says no without hesitation, He said he's never seen me so happy. It sparked some really interesting conversations between us. He doesn't want to do this forever. I don't either. But he says for now, for this season, it's been a really good thing. But I'm not ready to let myself off the hook. Because there's another layer to Victor's observation that pierces me, one that's harder to talk about. I've heard so many of my friends say that while this time has been hard, it's also been wonderful. They've had all these sweet moments with their kids. We've had some too, but mostly it's been a struggle. I'm worried that maybe the problem isn't my kids, but me. Every day when I come inside around lunchtime to take my shift with the kids, it feels like the worst parts of me surface. All I want to do is go back out and work some more. I feel terrible even admitting that. I go into every afternoon with plans of the things I'll teach my kids, of the fun dance parties and neighborhood bike rides and singing songs we'll do together. I've spent so many hours this past month pouring through advice from moms who homeschool before COVID-19, reading the endless updates and resources and videos that all three of my kids' teachers are sending. I tried schedules, lists, the daily plan on the blackboard that now sits on our kitchen-turned school but most days that all goes out the door within minutes. Instead of teaching them, I'm officiating fights or trying to convince our three-year-old to actually be quiet during quiet time or persuading my older kids of the need to regularly use the bathroom. I'm also battling my own reluctance, my inability to just let my to-do list go and be fully present with my kids. There's always dinner to think about, or that growing stack of unopened mail, or some school project we were supposed to be doing but that I never quite got around to, or that email I should really answer while the kids are playing in the next room. Before COVID-19, I felt stuck in a constant panic of not being able to keep up with my life, work included. Now, I'm just letting more things go. Before, I could kid myself that maybe I just needed better systems for organization. But now, when almost everything in my life has been cleared off the table, I'm faced with a more complicated truth. If quarantine amplifies who I always was, as Victor said, then what's been amplified in my own life is not just my struggle to feel in control, but to be content in the chaos. I want the straightforward simplicity of a project that challenges me but doesn't whine, complain, or defy me, I want to be able to pretend that life is only about creating. And don't get me wrong. I think life is about creating. I think it's an essential part of our humanity that we find our own unique way of releasing a bit of ourselves to the world. But life is also messy and loud and complicated. Often it's infuriating. It's a lot more like what goes on inside my house than what goes on inside my writing shed. I've spent a lot of the last eight years trying to conform myself to the vision of motherhood that I thought I was supposed to be. I've tried to be craft mom, teacher mom, the fun mom who loves playing with them. By and large, those efforts were an exercise in futility. In my worst moments, they led me to despair. It's taken me years of mom guilt to realize that there isn't just one way of being a mother. When I look at the mothers I admire most, the common thread is that all of them have found a way to create something that gives them joy and purpose in the midst of the chaos. And I do think that's what writing has been for me. Sometimes I'm not sure I know how to be authentically me and still parent my kids well. How to be content knowing that whether in writing or in life, I'm never going to be that ideal vision of myself. But maybe that's exactly where I need to be to live in the constant reality that I don't have this figured out. It's a reality that forces me to get more organized, but that also pushes me to give myself and others more grace. Maybe that's the best thing to come out of this time, the best goal, to be a little less tight-fisted with order and ambition and a little more open-handed with grace If you've enjoyed today's episode of Shelter in Place, I would love it if you could rate it and review it wherever you listen, share it with a friend, and subscribe. Shelter in Place is sponsored by Brick and Mortar and Delta Wines. Even in these tough times, this family business has stepped up to be the first sponsor of Shelter in Place. When you order wine from brickandmortarwines.com or winesforchange.com, you can get 10% off your order by using the promo code SHELTER. If you order six or more bottles from Brick and Mortar, you'll also get free shipping and overnight shipping in California. The Shelter in Place music was composed by Chase Horseman at Reactor Productions, and the Shelter in Place artwork was created by Sarah Edgel. As always... You can find links to the things I mentioned in each episode in my show notes at laurajoycedavis.com. Until tomorrow, this is Shelter in Place. I'm Laura Joyce Davis.